What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher. And I'm Kelsey Cook. And today we have the uh, the godfather of minimalism on the show, baby. <laughs> it's like, at least if you know who the minimalists are, they kind of like coined Leo as the godfather of minimalism. So it's like one of the people in this space. Dude, um, so yeah. cool. So cool, right? I mean, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. So Leah Babauta is the creator of Zen Habits and the author of Zen Habits, as well as Essential Zen Habits. And he's just helped thousands of people uh, change their lives through habit change, through mindfulness practices, um, helping people kind of live with fear, uncertainty, all of that stuff. I found uh, Leo's work probably almost a decade ago when I started getting into minimalism and stuff too. So He's definitely been a bucket list uh, guest for Self Helpless of mine for a really long time. It was really yeah. cool to, to meet him and, and chat with him. Um, but before we get into the episode, uh, Kels, where are you performing coming up? Yeah. So this is coming out on October 23rd. Uh, I will be in Grand Rapids, D.C., Nashville, Huntsville, and Atlanta in November. So tons of those tour dates in November. And then in December, I will be in Boston and Tampa. Uh, you can get tickets at KelseyCook.com. I probably will have announced my next year's tour dates by now too, by the time this comes out. So everything is at KelseyCook.com. You can follow me on social media at KelseyCookComedy and uh, check that all out. So yeah. Beautiful. How about you, Del? Yes. Um, I have another podcast called Career Crush. It's uh, free and it's private and it's available at DelaneyFisher.com. And uh, we just talk about kind of unconventional lifestyles and career paths and all kinds of stuff like that, creative projects, how to, um, how to birth something new, all of that. And a big part of why I'm doing the show and like who I'm having on the show um, is these pe- most of these people are not like famous, right? And so I, I would get a lot of uh, my clients telling me like, I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't really resonate with that. And so many interview shows are like with other celebrities. And so it's right. like, where, where does that leave me if I don't want to do that? Or I don't resonate with that. Or maybe I want that, but I'm not there yet. And so these are just examples of people who are doing their thing really successfully, but you probably haven't heard of them. Mm, um, some, yeah. some of them you've probably heard of, but, um, and so that's been a really, um, intentional move on my part. And so if you've been feeling that way, I know that I have too, when it comes to interview shows, uh, where I just feel like I can't relate because I, I just don't want certain things that, that a lot of the people being interviewed want, um, come over to the podcast and we're talking about that kind of stuff too. Like, where do you fit in all of this and how, yes. 
Do you get the recognition and success that you want, but also maintaining a certain level of, I don't know, peace, privacy, whatever that you're considering. Um, so yeah, anyway. Um, What's so, the podcast name and where can you find it? Oh yeah. Career crush, DelaneyFisher.com, baby. Awesome. That's, that's the name of it this year. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It's changed several times. Um, but in today's episode with Leo, I mean, we talked about um, how Leo kind of got started in this space. It all started with him deciding that he was going to quit smoking. And then it just snowballed from there. Yeah. Um, we talked about like, what even really is minimalism? Uh, what is the meaning behind it? How can we all practice it or, you know, be more mindful? Uh, what else did we cover, Kels? Yeah, breaking habits. And I think yeah. one of the big takeaways for me is how minimal minimalism goes so far beyond just decluttering your physical things. And it's right. really about reprioritizing your life, you know, your emotions, your relationships, all those things. So he was so interesting to talk to. And uh, here is our interview with fabulous Leo. Leo, thank you so much for being here today. Very excited about this episode. I'm honored to be on here. I'm excited too. Yay. So um, I've been a self-proclaimed minimalist for, I don't know, about a decade now. It's completely transformed my life in every possible area. And you were one of the first kind of handful of people that I found at the time who were just talking about this concept online pretty openly. So I'm, I'm relatively familiar with your story, but could you share with everyone who may not know, what does you making the decision to quit smoking cigarettes all those years ago <laughs> have to do with who you are today and the work you do today. Uh, how, how much time do we have for that? So, yeah, so we had to rewind to 2005 when I was um, just, I was stuck in my life. I was a smoker. I was sedentary, overweight like really bad diet. I was a procrastinator. I couldn't make changes. I couldn't stick to exercise. I was deeply in debt, lots of clutter, like the opposite of minimalism. And um, so just really unhealthy and and really struggling to make any changes stick. And so I'm like, I I felt like I was, I had to save my life. Mm-hmm. And um, and also I was failing my my family. So I had five kids. I was married with five kids and the sixth one on the way. So, um, and so I'm like, I need to do something. And so I decided that quitting smoking was the thing I needed to start with, which turns out now that I know a lot about habits, I've changed so many habits I've helped people change their their habits. Um, that turns out that that's the hardest one. It's probably the worst one to start with, but I, I'm like, this is going to, change my life, but also it'll help my kids. It'll help my wife who was going to go back to smoking after she was, uh, you know, after the pregnancy was over. So I'm like, I got to start with this. And so I had tried and failed at that seven times before. And so I poured my entire being into this change. I promised my wife, I promised my 12 year old daughter. Um, I did a whole bunch of research, you know, from scholarly stuff to forums on the internet to recommendations from the American Cancer Society. And um, and I figured out a bunch of stuff that worked, um, including some mindfulness practices of working with my urges, um, accountability practices, and different things to tell myself, self-talk. And it worked. And I was able to stick to that change. And then I started running. Uh, I couldn't even run for 10 minutes. Uh, and then eventually I ran a 5k and then I'm like, Oh, I can run a 5k. I'm going to run a marathon. So I trained for a year and ran oh a marathon. Um, I started getting out of debt. I started reducing my clutter at the end of 2006. I had changed my entire life. I was, I lost weight. I was a vegetarian, eventually a vegan. I ran my first marathon in December and eventually ran a couple more and then an ultra marathon. And so I started the blogs and habits, um, really to like share a lot of what I've been learning and changing all of these habits. And as I was doing that, one a theme that was really important to me was simplicity. So I was learning about Zen and mindfulness and and simplifying my life. And um, and so that was a big theme of the blog when I started was simplicity. And then at some point, I think it was a couple of years into that. So I started the blog in 2007, so probably like 2008 or nine. Um, 
there was something that resonated with me around the word minimalism. It wasn't a thing on the internet at the time. There was like maybe a couple of people who were talking about it, but it was like a design thing, like architecture and art. Mm -hmm. And there were people who were doing simplicity, like they were nomads or they were like, you know, living in small houses, but there wasn't really a minimalism thing. And so I started a blog and I wasn't the first one. There was a Tumblr that had minimalism.com. <laughs> and so I started my, or minimalist.com. And so I started mine, but I took out the vowels. So it was like minimalist. Uh, com, I'm even, even the more word. minimalist than that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even though you cluttered the word. I love it. Yeah, so fuck me, you and your vowels, man. <laughs> so for me, it was like, it was like a manifesto. It was like, what, what does it mean to be a minimalist? And it caught fire. And there were like people who changed, like they were like, oh, I'm a minimalist already. Like that was something I'm already doing. I just didn't have a name for it. And so they started um, calling themselves minimalists and there were other blogs that started. And then eventually, um, you know, there was like a documentary about it by the minimalist. And um, and so anyway, yeah, it, it, it took off. But I would say, I wouldn't say I'm the first one to think of minimalism. It was already being done. It was just that I really helped spread the spread the idea. Wow, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask what it what you said you tried quitting smoking seven times and it finally took mm. on the eighth. I know you mentioned that simplicity was maybe the foundation of that. Was there anything mm. specific that you felt was the reason why it worked on the eighth time and none of the times before? Mm. It was a handful of things. One of them was commitment. So before I'd be like, oh, I'm going to quit smoking today. Like, it was like, I'm going to take out the trash. You know, it was like <laughs> not a big commitment, right? Yeah. And so for this one, I said, I'm going to quit, but I'm going to quit on this date. That's not an idea I came up with, but it's a, you choose a quit date that is, that's like at least a week out. And then oh. from there, you start um, doing the things that you need to do ahead of that. So you start preparing for it. And okay. so already you can see how that's, already a much bigger commitment than what I was doing before. It's like, this is my quit date. I told people about it. I started tracking my current smoking so that I could see what are the triggers, like what triggered me to smoke. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, which taught me a lot about triggers and or cues is another word for it. What, what triggers the urge to do the habit. And so I learned a lot about that around uh, changing habits um, in general. Um, so that's one. And then accountability was part of that commitment. So I, I not only told my, I promised my wife and daughter, which was already a huge amount of accountability compared to what I had done before. Yeah. Uh, but I was also, I was on a forum where other people were quitting smoking and I promised them that I would post on that forum before I ever took a puff. And so oh, that's commitment, wow. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that commitment held me when the urge came. And then the second thing that really that was a really big one for me was bringing mindfulness to the urges. So before, and, and like right now, every person listening to this, um, they, we act on our urges. Everyone does this. It's like, you know, check Instagram, you like, yes. you know, you go to your favorite news sites online. We're just doing things without realizing what's driving it. Um, smoking, eating junk food, you know, drinking alcohol, drugs, all of that kind of stuff is all driven through an urge that, that arises in the body as a physical sensation. And then we just act on it without knowing that that's happening. And it's like, it's like we have no choice. So if you can bring mindfulness, awareness to the urge, um, you now are at choice, which is a huge um, empowerment, right? And yeah. so what I learned is that the urge is a physical sensation usually comes from stress, right? Like I'm stressed about whatever is going on with all my litter of kids. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so there's litter like stress, stress going on and then it's a physical sensation and it's like a, almost like a tightness or a rising kind of sensation in the body. And what I learned is that if you can stay with that urge mindfully, it goes away. Like, it's just like a wave that kind of mm. rises and crests and then it comes back and, and then it's like slow, smaller and smaller waves. And it's such a simple thing, but if you could actually practice that, it will change your entire life because it's like when you have the urge to like 
lash out at someone and criticize them or gossip or, you know, do all the unhealthy things that we don't want to do. We can all of a sudden like bring this mindfulness to it and it takes, you know, five seconds. It changes wow. your whole life. So wow. anyway, those are two of the biggest ones. There's other ones around rewards that I change, get, get a massage or, you yeah. know, those, those kinds of things. Um, but uh, yeah, those, those probably were the two biggest ones, commitment and then working with the urges mindfully. Oh, thank you. That's invaluable. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I'm curious to know, like, what did you do leading up during that week when you set your quit date? What kind of practical stuff were you prepping for? And then what did you do when you did get an urge? Did you swap smoking out with something different? Yeah, great, great question. So the, the first thing I mentioned some of them already. So that's where I, I made the accountability things promised my right. wife and daughter. And um, then I, um, I, you know, posted on the forums and tracked my triggers. And so I made a whole list, like every, actually, one of the things I did was um, carried around a little piece of paper and a pencil. And every time I had the urge to smoke, I would put a little tick mark. So like tally marks. Oh. And so this was just bringing awareness to the urge. But I also had another piece of paper where I would write down, what's the thing that just happened when I had that urge? When we, you know, when I put the little tick mark down, what's the thing that preceded it? I'm like, oh, I was just criticized by my wife. You know, she, she doesn't do that. That's a hypothetical. But um <laughs> <laughs> but um or it's just like you know you know new email came in that like oh, i have to deal with this crisis or whatever it is or like i i just ate you know is another one so all of a sudden i was bringing awareness to all of the things that like brought the the urges on and so then the next thing i did was i took those urges or the triggers and i said what am i going to do when those come up after i eat what do I want to do instead of smoking? What's because you can't just stop something. If you're already doing it to, to cope with stress, you can't just stop because now you have nothing to deal with stress and you just like get more and more stressed. And then eventually you'll be like, ah, like if overeating is your thing, right? Like you're like, ah, I, I, I can't eat. I can't eat. And then you're stressed about not eating. And then the only thing you know how to deal deal with stress is eating. Eventually you're going to like, you know, 2 a.m. be like stuffing a sleeve of Oreos down your mouth. So, yep. <laughs> so like you had to come up, I had to come up with a list. What And so some of them were, this is to answer your, your second question. Some of them were things like go out for a walk or a run. Um, one was meditate or breathe to kind of like self soothe myself. Um, meditating on the urges. I did start eating a lot of candy, but then I changed that like a couple of weeks into it because I was gaining weight and I'm like, uh, I don't want to gain weight and be more stressed about that. And so um, frozen grapes were my uh, replacement for that. Oh, that's, that's a, a magical one. trick, by the way. I didn't invent it, <laughs> but frozen grapes for some reason satisfy the urge in the mouth in a way that like, um, like smoking does or candy does, but it's like healthy you know so yeah. you, know, you can't eat a lot of grapes when they're frozen so uh you know, it's not even bad to overdo grapes but <laughs> you know you have like one or two yeah so, yeah i tried them for the first Hot time tips. a couple months ago oh, did and you? they are so good yeah you're right it is a weird oddly satisfying thing oh, that no, you would I'm not think it. to do <laughs> <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Are there ever times where you have things that you kind of splurge on that are your weaknesses as a minimalist? Oh, absolutely. I'm, you know, still human. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, one of the things I've done in the last few years is I started taking entire months off, so June and December. And so, I'm like, I'm really standing for self-care and rest and nourishing myself. So I work super hard for five months, and then I take a month off, and... Um, and I'm still adjusting to that. So one of the things 
that I found is like, okay, month off sounds great. I'm going to have this amazing month. And then I'm like, what do I do with myself? Yeah. Like I'm used to working really hard. And so now it's just like, uh, like I'm scrolling on, you know, social media or like Reddit or, you know, just reading about things online. And then I start, what I found is not just like scrolling, but I also started getting obsessed with stuff. So one time it was like, I had these fantasies of going out and, and hiking for like weeks on end. And so I'm like, okay, hiking. And then I'm like, I discovered a minimalist sub group of hikers, which is called the ultralight backpacking. So if you wow. can, you can go on and people are like, so they geek out about it. And so I am like, oh, I started geeking out about it. And then I started buying a lot of ultralight gear, which tends <laughs> to be more expensive than regular hiking gear. So I have in my garage a place where my dreams are still living, which is my <laughs> ultralight gear. Uh, but it was an embarrassing amount of stuff that I was buying. And another time I got into chess and I bought like stacks of books that I didn't even read. And then I gave up on that and I had to like sell those books. Um, I got into the... Uh, a chess-like game called Go, oh, okay. but a whole bunch of books on that. Um, and so anyway, I'll, I'll just kind of like do a deep dive into stuff and then start to buy stuff. Another one was knives. I was like really into like folding <laughs> knives. Um, watches was another one. So no, it's embarrassing. Like as a minimalist, <laughs> you kind of are held to a new standard because you've called yourself a minimalist. Right. And so now you're like, I hope no one sees this. It's my dirty laundry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. But what I'll do is I'll I'll stop myself and then I'll be like, I'll tell my wife, I'm like, don't let me buy another freaking knife. <laughs> uh, and so like I have, you know, a whole drawer full of them. Like I can defend myself against, you know, the, the Russian army. So I'm, yeah. I'm good there. <laughs> no more <laughs> knives. And so that's that's kind of what I do now. And the last last June that just passed, um, I intentionally said I'm not getting into any kind of buying. And so that was the first time where I didn't um, get obsessed and start buying a bunch of stuff. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Such specific interests you have. Like chess <laughs> and folding knives. I love it. Yeah, um, yeah. So you're a minimalist with six kids and a wife. Like, was your family on board from the beginning to simplify with you? Or did they have to like witness your changes and then they got excited about the whole minimalism thing? Or are they not even participating in any of this with you? What's yeah. the situation? Well, you know, the funny to before I get to that, the funny thing that you just said is you're a minimalist with a wife and six kids. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of right. people who are like, huh, it isn't quite there's some cognitive dissonance there. But um yeah. so I'll I'll say in my defense, to be fair, <laughs> the kids came before the minimalism. And I like right. I tried to declutter them, but the wife wasn't having it. <laughs> um so anyway, I, so I try and live. So actually, the thing that I really love is that I get to be a picture of a minimalist living with abundance, right? So you know, like, how do you, so minimalism doesn't have to look like you're a single person living out of a van, you know, like yeah. you can, you can do it lots of different ways, whatever your life is, you can find your version of that. So that's what I do. Um, and now I've lost track of your actual question. Oh, how did oh. I, oh, did I try and like, oh, so yeah. So with my kids, I tried to, my kids and wife, I tried to like tell them I'm like excited about, de well, first it was just like simplifying and decluttering. And so I was excited about it. I was reading these books from the nineties. There's like these little square books called, um, I forgot the name of them, but the author was Elaine St. James. And so she was inspiring me. This was like the inspiration for my blog, actually. So there were these little chapters, like one page long of little things that you could do to simplify your life. And so I'm like, oh, look at this. Let's do this and let's do that. But I had to get them on board. And, you know, predictably they were resisting, you know, they were like not 100% on board with like, let's get rid of all of our stuff and um, live with like a bare floor. Um, and so, you know, so I'm, I, I tried to like convince them and they weren't having it. And then I decided to do it, do what I could do. So like, what's my, my zone of control. Right. So I got rid of all my stuff in my closet and my drawers and all in my office and stuff. And then I tried to like share with them, like what, what the benefits of that was, like why I was excited about it. And they were like kind of interested and I might share um, with my wife, different links that I was reading. And um 
eventually like she was starting to get interested and like maybe i'll try this and so what i learned is like you can't you can't force someone and like like try and um force their process they have to be on their own journey but me doing it on my own inspired some of that so like it did have an influence but it, it's not like i can control it so i had to kind of let go of the control that i wanted like often minimalism is a it comes from a, a desire to control um, mm -hmm. like our lives feel chaotic and out of control and so we want to control but we also try and bring in other people into that like i want to i want them to change they're such such crap heads and so <laughs> Um, you know, I might not have such a nice word about that, um, but that's my, that's the version I'm using now. Um, so, so like, you know, and then what um, we did was like, we talked to our kids and they uh, understandably didn't want to get rid of all their toys, but they had piles and piles of it. It was like spilling out of their closets and bins and like all over the floors. And so I tried to show them like, here's a bunch of toys you haven't played with for like two years. Like it's just getting in the way and you can't even see your toys because there's so many. And so why don't we let some kids who don't have toys like play with oh, these? That's nice. And so they're like, oh, okay. So then now there's a reason to it uh, rather than just like take away my stuff. It's not, not a great reason, you know? So you, I try to share that with them and we try to do it in limited amounts. So let's see if we can do 10 out of your 4,000 toys. And, um, and yeah, they were up for that. And eventually, like, we found the balance between, like, my my desire for minimalism and their desire to, like, not lose their toys. And so, <laughs> like, we found a balance. So, like, they were happy with it. I was happy it wasn't driving me crazy. And, you know, like, these days, they're, they're all almost all adults. Um, but they live their version of that. And so, like, I don't, um, I've learned to let go of that, like, need to change them and control them. Um, and more just like live in my values, but in our common spaces, like living room and kitchen and stuff like that, uh, yeah. me and my wife kind of set that. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's so smart that you, when you framed it that way with your kids, you were like, I bet there are other kids who need some of these toys who don't have any. Cause I feel like that's kind of the frozen grapes version of, of convincing yeah. them to do that because it's so hard to just be like we're just getting rid of this without mm. any sort of like hey here's a positive that could replace this or come from this um, yeah yeah do you feel like there are any ways that minimalism can be taken too extreme like i i do feel like i'm more on the minimalist end of things than sure. the hoarding things but uh, we talked about the minimalists a long time ago, that whole method of like pack all of your belongings into boxes, mm -hmm. whatever you don't <laughs> use in the course of, I think it's like three weeks, you have to donate those things. Do you feel like that's realistic for most people? Or do you feel like that's <laughs> like setting the bar so high for how people can uh, become minimalists? Well, yeah. First of all, like, I don't think there's a way that anyone should live. Like if they want to live, you know, you know, as hoarders or like you know, <laughs> anything in between hoarder and minimalist, you know, like it's fine, you know, like live your life. Uh, so, and, and second of all, if you want to be more towards the minimalist end of the spectrum, like you don't have to yeah. go super extreme. Definitely it can be too extreme. I think I've yeah. seen people like it gets to be almost competitive minimalism, like it's Olympic <laughs> level. Uh, and I'm like, go go that's really cool it's inspiring but like it's not how i want to live my life you know right so i i think minimalism is more of a like philosophy and a a way um just like a view of life like yeah it's, it's not all about stuff you know there's there's other there's other um things that make us happy and content so yeah so when when um you have that then it could be what's your version of that like what right. you find it for yourself and i do think everyone can do the packet away stuff if they wanted to but that's like one method mm -hmm. of finding what's your version of of minimalism you know what's your way um like i think there's lots of ways to do that i love that idea um yeah and i think it's a great method but you know if that feels too too much of a barrier to entry then like you know another way is like could you 
um, do it, take on a challenge, let's say for 30 days. And what you want to do is touch five things. And when I say touch it, it's like, pick it up and make a decision with it. Like, you know, this is something that, you know, to use, you know, the condo methods, like yeah. doesn't spark joy in my life. Right. So right. like put that into a box that you're going to donate or recycle. And then, so you just do that five things a day. And if you, if that's too little, do 10, do 20, you know, you can pick the level that works for you, but five things I think is doable for anybody. And so like it, you find the entry that is appropriate to your life. And some people are so busy. They're like, I don't have time to declutter my entire garage. Great. Like that's, you know, do that later, you know, start with your desk, you know, or, yeah. or uh, one person I know starts with her kitchen sink. She wants to like, it's full of like dishes and stuff. And she wants her sink to be cleared. And then mm -hmm. she started there and then she's like, that's now clear. And she's like, my goal now is to always have that clear and not ever get it cluttered again. And then she moved to the counter right next to it. And so one block at a time, she just cleared the space. And the goal is don't let anything encroach on that and, yeah. and just keep conquering one territory at a time until like her whole house was clear. I thought that was a great method. Yeah, I mm. love that. Yeah. It's very doable. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, one thing that she added to that was she made her sink shine. So it sparkled and she like, <laughs> she liked that and she wanted to sparkle. And so she's like, I want to just like keep that sparkle and like not, um, not let that go. So I, I really like that. She brought something really um, enlightening into her life. Like it really just brought her some joy and she yeah. wanted to keep that. That was the motivation as opposed to like I doing it because I don't want to be, you know, crappy. So, right. you know, that's right. not a great motivator, you know? Right. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I, I think what I love mo most about the concept of minimalism is that so much of it is asking yourself really deep, powerful questions. Like for me, it started yeah. with my stuff and then it permeated into every area of my life. I started asking really deep questions about my relationships, my career, my like things that I wanted to fill my time with. Is, are there yeah. any questions that you've asked yourself that have brought a lot of clarity for you when it comes to decluttering things in order to make room for, you know, what's most important to you? Yeah, I really love that. I 100% I agree. Um, that is one of the best things that minimalism does is, is it has you reflecting on stuff like, you know, why, why does this matter to me? <laughs> like, why do I need this stuff? And some of it was confronting to me just to uh, share a little bit. Um, so it's like, well, I can't get rid of my books, right? That might be, by the way, I'm not saying you have to get rid of your books to be a minimalist, but there were like things I'm like, nope, those are just like non-negotiables. And then I asked myself like, why? Like, why does that matter to me? Mm. And so it's not that that question has to force me to get rid of those books, but it, it had me like reflecting on like why, you know, some of those books I knew I was really, you know, I was hoping to read them, but I was also like, there's a realist in me. It's like, you're never going to read those books. You haven't, they've been there for 10 years and you, yeah. you're not, you know, yeah. and I'm like, there's like an aspiration, like there's a, a self that I wanted to be that yeah. I was hoping that those books were going to uh, fulfill. And I'm like, like, are they really like, if, if I read those books, am I actually going to be that person? And like, what's my attachment to being that image of myself? And so this is like a really good process. And by the way, this is actually why people, some people don't want to do minimalism because it might confront them with, you know, some of these questions. It's like, it's a lot of big questions to answer. So I actually don't recommend that you start with that. I start with little <laughs> ones. Like when was the last time I freaking used this, you know, the thing, you know, so like it's been 10 years, maybe, maybe toss it out. Um, yeah. So, but um, some questions, if you start to deepen into it, some of the questions that you were talking about, um, I think really start to, um, to aid the process of self-discovery, which is really what this is. It's like finding out like, who am I? And, um, and so like, for me, you know, one of the things that I would look at is like, why, why do I want this? And like, what's the self image that it's trying to promote? And like, you know, is that really important to me? And that's a dangerous question because 
you can actually get rid of every single thing once you ask that. <laughs> so, um, and then the other one is like, you know, so there's sometimes there's emotional charge in something. So there's like picture, you know, like an albums full of pictures, right? I've seen people who have like, it could be a whole room full of albums, full of pictures or boxes full of old pictures, you know, not so much a thing that we're creating these days because we have phones, but like in the old days, you have these pictures and then you're like, well, I'm going to keep those forever. And, you know, the, what's the emotional reason behind that, right? There's some emotional reason. It's not, there's not a logical reason um, because I had like logical solutions to that it was like, I would just take a picture of it and I would have like um, them in a folder or an album on my computer. And I would just have like a screensaver that rotated all those pictures as opposed to like a room full of pictures that I never looked at. So now I'm actually looking at it or you get like a, a you know, digital photo frame that rotates through them or, or something like that. Um, you know, something where they're actually being used as opposed to just gathering dust and taking up space in your attic or closet or whatever. And so there, but even if you've done that, people still will not want to get rid of it because there's some kind of emotional reason, like uh, attachment. And so for me, I, like, I really like to look at that. It's like, what's the emotional attachment here? Like, oh, if I get rid of these, I'm losing my grandfather, you know, who's now mm -hmm. dead. And it's like, you know, or or some kind of memorabilia you have or a blanket that, that your grandfather had. And so it's like, you know, for me, I start to look at is this actually my grandfather? Is this my relationship oh. with my grandfather in this blanket? And I'm like, no, like, you know, the blanket reminds me of him, but there's other ways to do that. Um, you know, the, the my grandfather is not even out there anymore. He's in here. And so the, I could get rid of all the stuff as long as I haven't forgotten him. You know, if I think about, you know, how I used to sit on his lap while he smoked his pipe, you know, like that's, that's where he is. And the albums, you know, we, we think that they represent it, but we can let go of that because that's not actually where he is anymore um, or ever was. So anyway, I don't know if that quite answers the question, but that's, those are oh, yeah. some of the things that I reflect on. Yeah, no, that was yeah. great. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. doing that. Yeah. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Yeah, everything you just said is very powerful to me. Um, my mom has dementia. And so thank you. You know, there have been so many changes in her um, mentation the last couple years. And I have found myself putting so much pressure on, you know, capturing moments on video or taking mm. photos. And then I'm like saving it to my iCloud and saving it to my laptop mm. and my phone because I'm like, well, what if my laptop dies? I need to make sure I've got a copy here and a copy there. and it does end up adding a whole other layer of stress of stress to me where I'm trying to like hold so tightly onto whatever I can. And I do think that those things will always be important to me, but you saying that is such a good reminder that like no matter what, those memories are always there. And that is the thing that's the most important. Yeah, it's, it's such a sweet story. Like I, I get the attachment and the tightness that's um, really constricting you. And I also really get the love that you have for her and like how much like, you know, there's a fear of losing her because you love her so much. And like, you know, I actually don't believe you could ever lose her. This is kind of my philosophy, yeah. but, but like, I totally get it. Like when we have a parent who is, you know, declining and, or slipping away, like, mm -hmm. you know, my, um, my father-in-law had dementia. Um, and so like I saw his decline and yeah, that was, it was hard to watch because yeah. he was no longer like the person that he was at his peak. Um, mm -hmm. But I, what I, what I did um, and it's, it's different if it's your actual mother versus father-in-law, but like, I loved him yeah. still do. And um, what I did was I, I tried to like, it was, there was grief about losing the man that he was versus what he was right then. Yeah. But there was also like, I tried to get present to the beauty of who he was now because 
Like he couldn't mm. speak at one point, right. but he was just, he would light up when I would walk into the room, like so sweet, like just yeah. childlike, you know, like joy at seeing me come into the room. And I'm like, man, there's something really sweet about this. He's let all his defenses down and yeah. he's just like the core heart that he has always been, but now that's all he is. And it was just so sweet. Yeah. So I just really learned to appreciate those moments. It wasn't what he was when he was at his greatest, but it was still like really sweet. And I, and um, I have good memories of both of those versions of him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, it's so well put everything you said. It's true. The things that you have left become so meaningful to you. It's like every, every time I hear her say, I love you on the phone, it's like, I mean, there's, there's nothing in the world that could equate to that feeling to me because it's like you know not always much left in terms of conversation so hearing yeah. that is everything but um anyway sorry this veered off a little it's, bit from it's minute. really no, sweet I, no, no i'm <laughs> glad you shared thanks for sharing Kels. it's really it's important and uh it makes sense that you're taking all these photos and like holding on to it totally makes sense um yeah. well I'll, I'll tell you i'll say one last thing and um if you want to move on we can but oh it's okay what you just spoke to you know, those moments that you're talking about, that's actually what minimalism really is, is stripping down everything to those moments where you just really have that connection, that love, like the yeah. joy that he had, the like, you know, realization of how precious our moments are, especially when yeah. someone might not be around forever. Like that's what minimalism is about, is stripping away all of the extraneous stuff to that. And to me, like that's what we forget because we think it's like all about the the stuff and getting rid of it. But what are we getting rid of it for? Right? There's a there's that, and that's yeah. that's to me really important to remember. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the whole experience with dementia has decluttered my emotions in a lot of ways. It's really reprioritized what I give my time to. I think I used to be somebody that could get worked up or irritated about a lot of mm. little things before this. And now it's like so few things actually upset me because in comparison to how I know I can feel now in terms of like real shit that actually <laughs> is worth being very upset over, it's, it is crazy. So I think you're right. I think that people hear minimalism and assume it's like, getting rid of the you know extra water bottles in your kitchen cupboard but it's right. like it is a it's a lifestyle it's like really understanding what's important to you yeah yeah, yeah. so much of it it's just like we're all by doing it we're trying to be really present i mean that's how i mm. see it it's like we're really trying to be present in the moment and and experience joy and all the different things but i have a question for you leo like sure. when you when you get more and more present in this world, being present in this world can be very hard because Absolutely. every, all your, if you are really trying to get the escapism out of your life and your vices and, and control those things, then you are left with like, I don't know, for me, I just feel very sensitive to every little thing that's going on on the planet. How the fuck sure. do you <laughs> rectify that for yourself? Is there ever a time that, you know, you just got to escape or like, what do you, anything? Yeah. To on that okay great this is uh this is such an important question so i really appreciate you bringing it uh because this is what's ignored um so what happens is we we start to strip stuff away and what as you said we're stripping away our escapes the way that we escape our emotions or what's coming up for us and that's what everything like you know buying something on amazon that's what we're doing is escaping something <laughs> you know yeah. like eating a bunch of, you know, junk food or, you know, not that there's anything wrong with buying or eating or watching stuff on Netflix or whatever it is we're doing, but that's what we're doing when we do those things. You know, if you're having your, you know, bottle of wine at night or whatever you're doing, like you're escaping something and um, minimalism is one approach, but it, uh, you know, there's uh, the other thing that I do is, is Zen um, meditation. And there are ways of stripping away our escapes. And when you do that, it lays your shit bare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is it is confronting. 
And so I don't recommend you do that all at once. You know, people will do that. It's like, I'm going to go hardcore on this and like take out every single escape. You know, you can do that. But what happens is it's like, I want to like hardcore everything, right? Uh, there's people like that. And so what happens is you are at a, you went from having an escape all the time to having none. And you're now confronted with stuff at a, at a level from like three to a 10, you know, so all of the stuff that you were trying to avoid, you're now confronted with. And I don't, um, I don't recommend that. So what I recommend is if you're at a three, like you're barely, like you're avoiding everything and you like, I don't want to think about my finances. I don't want to think about my relationships. I don't want to think about the mess, mess that my whole life is. Um, let's say that's a two, right? in terms of you being willing to face whatever is there for you. And I would say like, start to ratchet it up to a three or a four, <laughs> go to a five. And so what that might mean is I'm going to, um, you know, if my escape, let's say is, um, let's say junk food, right? So if, uh, junk food and Netflix. So I'm going to cut out some of that for a little while. So maybe it's like, um, I'm not going to have junk food after 8 p.m., you know, something like that. I'm not going to watch net. I'm only going to watch Netflix for two hours if I've been watching it for six hours a day. So you and what that's going to do is going to leave you in a space where you are confronted with stuff. And then you'll what you'll notice is you're going to try and find a replacement. OK, great. No Netflix. Let's, you know, let me do some work on my laptop. And all of a sudden I'm on YouTube for four hours. <laughs> so you'll, you'll be like, Oh, isn't that interesting? Like I've now replaced it with something else. And then what you can do is when you're about to replace it with a new thing, sit there for like half a minute. It doesn't have to be long and just notice what your experience is. Like I'm, Oh, I'm feeling some anxiousness right now. Ah, that's like too much. And if you get to the level where it's like a 10, that's too much. You don't want to be at that level. Basically, it's the level of where it's like, I'm really like my whole body is tensed up. And maybe, you know, even further is like you're on the floor in fetal position. Like you don't want to be there. You right. know, so that's where it's like becomes almost traumatizing because you can't, you can't handle, you don't have the capacity for that. And so what we do as we are able to face it for five to 10 seconds half a minute is we are building up our capacity to be with more and more of life, more and more of our emotions. And so it's like, oh, I'm feeling really sad about my mother or about, you know, how the world is right now, climate change. And so I'm just feeling sad about that. And like, it just brings me into like dark depression if I'm just thinking about that all day. And so could I be sad for like, you know, like I said, 20 seconds, something like that like uh, feelings, a little bit of sadness. And eventually you can be like full on feeling heartbreak, the, the heartbreak of the injustice of the world. And that's a capacity you can actually have is be with heartbreak more and more. But I wouldn't say like, start with the most heartbreaking things, like give yourself the capacity to feel these things, open your heart more, be with life just as it is. And as we do this, what we're doing is we're we're actually, um, like I said, building our capacity, but to be with all of life, just as it is. When someone is coming at you with their complaint and anger, you can be with that. It's not that like they're wrong for being how they are. If someone is feeling like all mopey and victim-y, like uh, life is just sucks and I can't do anything in the world, you can be with that too. Like we judge that, but we could be with that more and more. And that's just a really beautiful thing is to like practice being with more and more of humanity, of ourselves and all of life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It is a great reminder to just take things a little bit at a time. I think so much of our, <laughs> you know, the things you see on social media now, it's like, fucking do it now and like go <laughs> crazy. And like, you know what I mean? It's all the most hardcore ways. So I think that's a good uh, reminder for sure. <laughs> yeah, I resonate with the hardcore stuff too. Like there's a part <laughs> yeah. of this like wants to be a badass, but um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm yeah. really curious to know like what your daily routine looks like. Like what are some nuggets that you do pretty much every day, oh. if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, 
it's it's evolves if you go back to my blog and you read from like 2007 or 2010 or 2015 I don't do that stuff anymore so <laughs> like oh you wake up at 4 a.m like no that was when I was training for a marathon and I like it was I was living in Guam and I uh, it was too hot at six so I had to start wow. in the dark wow. so like yeah I woke up for a little while I woke up at 4 a.m now like this morning it was seven so okay. you yeah. know it's very different um and and there isn't now okay so there's different levels so I'll just tell you like there's a level where we with a habit or just like routines or like how organized we are in our lives there's a level where everything is a huge mess it's like I don't want to deal with any of it everything is like I don't want to take responsibility for how things go so that's one level and then at some point we get tired of that and we're like I'm going to be hardcore and I'm going to like wake up at 4 a.m. and have like a perfect morning routine. And then we get really like tight with ourselves. So the first one is really loose. It's just like, I don't want to do anything. And like, I don't want to face anything. Second one is like, I'm really tight and I'm going to have to have the perfect routine. So the badasses that you're talking about, like are the, the hardcore people, they're like super tight. You know, yeah. this is like, think about, you know, Tim Ferriss when he first started, it's like, super regimented super disciplined right yeah um, there's a lot of other people like that so but he was just the first one that came to mind or yeah. me right I, i'm another example <laughs> of that so it's like get rid of every single thing have everything in perfect order and routine has to be like down to the minute right mm. you know not everyone does it to like that extreme but that's kind of a just kind of a visual for like how level two would be or stage two and these aren't like stage two is better than stage one. It's just like, it's just different, right? Mm -hmm. It's usually kind of like the progression that we go through. And at some point people might be like, this sucks. And then what they do is they go back to stage one. It's cause like, I don't want any structure and like, I, it's too, too hard. And there's another thing, which is kind of where I'm at. And maybe there's a stage four that I don't know about yet. So I'll let you know. <laughs> we'll do this another interview in five years. Um, but the next one is, it's around um, finding its discernment. So it would be like, what's called for in my life right now? Do I want, you know, more rigidity or more discipline, more like rigor, more structure? Or do I need some space, some spaciousness and some flow and some looseness? And there isn't a right answer to that. And you could see, you know, what I laid out as stage one is like looseness, right? And that's mm -hmm. actually, there's something really beautiful about that. Um, and so now it's discernment. So it's what's called for my life right now, given what I'm up to and given, you know, what I'm, what, what's coming up for me. Um, and it might be what's called for today, as opposed to like my, my routine all month, you know, and it might even be what's called for right now, like in this moment, do I need more rigor or do I need more love? And so um, right now that's the stage that I'm in. And um, what that means to answer your question is uh, there isn't necessarily a routine that I have. There are some things that I do every day, uh, which is what you asked. Uh, so this morning um, I sit down and I do a little bit of a reflection and planning session look at the tasks that I had set for myself, look at the calendar items. I'm like, is there anything that I want to push to the next day because it's not necessary for today? Um, unfortunately, I uh, didn't push this podcast, but you know. The burns today, Leo. <laughs> it was not prepared. <laughs> so no, uh, I'm really glad I said yes to this. Um, so so that's kind of the thing that I do. I, I also like to do some more focused work in the morning. So, I'll you know, if, you know, if I haven't blocked off like calls early in the morning, I'll do stuff that requires a lot of focus. And then um, I, you know, uh, what else do I do? Oh, I cut out coffee. That's so that's well, um, yeah. yeah. For the last couple of months, mostly for sleep reasons. I wanted to like really experiment with, that but that's been a, like a hardcore thing for me is like always coffee first thing yeah and now I make my wife coffee so that's <laughs> that's my routine <laughs> nice. um every day I do some kind of exercise um 
I wish I could say every day I meditate, but currently that's not the case. I always do some mindfulness practice, but it's not necessarily meditation right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, I do some accountability things. So I have some things where I'm committed to and the way that I uh, hold that commitment is accountability. I don't do that for everything, but there are some things where I'm like, I'm launching this, I'm doing this practice. And so I have about three accountability groups that I'm in, which is a little bit overwrought, but it's what I need right now. And so, um, yeah, so I, I do a check-in at the end. So like uh, one example of that is uh, I'm doing a 33-day fitness challenge with my wife and kids. And so we're on a WhatsApp group because my one of my daughter lives in Southern California. The rest of us live in Northern California. And so we're all, we set our own challenge. Like, you know, some people want to do something around weights and other people are doing climbing other people are doing yoga and running and so you do like this is my challenge and then we just check in at the end of each day so that's really oh, been working really so well sweet this is probably our third or fourth one we take a little break in between and we're like does anyone want to do another one and some people choose into it some choose out and um so i uh, yeah yeah it's great oh, awesome now, honestly, I'm the, in the <laughs> best shape that I've been in the last like decade because of those challenges. Wow. So, yeah. And I I'm 50. That. I just turned 50 this year. So thank you so much again for doing the podcast. Where can people it's find pleasure. you? Yeah. Your, your work, where can they find you? So the blog is Zen Habits, zenhabits.net. And then I also have a new podcast called Zen Habits Podcast. I'm really creative with yeah. my names. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just search for that on the, your favorite podcast platform. Fantastic. Amazing. Thank awesome. you so much, Leo. It was great to meet you. Yeah, no, this was really fun. Uh, great, great meeting both of you. Well, how did that feel for you? Were you so excited to have him on? I was. Yeah, it was very cool. It's so funny. He mentioned that that like family challenge that he does, like the fitness challenge with his family. <laughs> My family tried to start this literally three years ago at like peak pandemic. We called it like Fisher Fitness February and we still have not done it. We're like, we really should do uh, Fisher Fitness February. Like, I don't know, 2027. How's that sounding for everybody? We're like, we just never did it, but we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Like what? If you actually follow through, that's a great time. <laughs> yeah. When Chad and I were long distance, we did a Chloe Ting workout challenge together. She's a very popular YouTube fitness okay. guru. And so yeah. we did that together. And it was like a fun thing that we could feel connected doing when we weren't together. And also there's that external accountability. You don't want to be the one that didn't do it that day because he and I are so competitive right. with each other. And it was really great. We loved it. Uh, maybe maybe my family and I will actually follow through. I'll tell them I'm, I'm newly, freshly inspired. Yeah. Really <laughs> so I am very excited to share this good shit. Chad and I bought a house. We officially yes! did it. I, uh, I, pew, pew, pew. I know <laughs> I mentioned that we were kind of in the process and looking at one. And I, I think I didn't want to jinx it because I have been told by so many other people in my life who went through the the home buying process that just there's a lot of room for things to fall through. You can, you can find the one you love. You can get like outbid or the inspection comes back and there's a whole bunch of problems that you wouldn't be able to tell from just looking at a house from the outside. So I think I was just trying to wait until I physically had a key in my hand to make the announcement on the podcast but as of gosh four days ago four days ago we are homeowners and it is our dream house and it is like I just I cannot I cannot believe it I really walk in and I feel like it's dream I was telling Delaney before we started recording that like I can't believe that my key works like I can't believe that you're not an intruder. <laughs> I can't believe that I'm not an intruder. I keep waiting for the people who lived there before to still be in there and for me to be, just be like, hey, like, can I come have breakfast with you? Like, I really cannot believe when I walk in there that our belongings are inside there and that yeah. I get to live in there because it's, um, it's just, it's beyond what I could have even dreamt of. But I had a sweet little podcast moment when I was decorating the new fridge, you know, putting magnets up and pictures and stuff, 
Yeah. I have a magnet that I've carried with me for probably a decade at least. That is the go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live oh, the life you've imagined magnet. Yes. And I put it on the fridge and I was just looking at it being like, oh my God, I just put this magnet on the fridge of my dream house that I, you know, I, I've put that magnet on the fridges of many apartments <laughs> You know, yeah, or some real shabby, rundown apartments. Some, <laughs> some a little bit nicer, but to put it on the fridge and really read that quote again and be like, "Oh my God, I, I, I went in the direction of my dreams and I'm living the life I imagined." I just, yes, it was like a very cool full circle moment. So, oh, I love it. That just yeah. gave me tingles. That just oh. gave me tingles all over my body. Yeah, it was. Awesome. It's been a really special few days. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there will be many homeowning adventures to come. Oh, yeah. And, and learning how to do it. I was like, outside watering plants. I was like, look at me. <laughs> like a real homeowner. I've never done woodsman. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I oh just, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It's so different than an apartment. It really is so different. I love, I love it. You're going to have all the green thumbs. You're going to have green toes. You're going to have a green foot. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm ecstatic exciting. for you and Taylor to visit. I cannot. Oh, wait. I can't wait. I cannot wait to get in that bathtub, baby. Hell I'll yeah. Be, I'll be living there. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy for you guys. It's so exciting. Thank you. Um, what's well, Kelsey bought a house and Cam and I bought a Scrabble board. So we're doing well too. Wow. <laughs> We, Big things. Know. Yeah, right. He, uh, no, he, he, he bought Scra Scrabble recently, and I'm like, I couldn't, I can't believe I didn't own a Scrabble board. But oh, yeah. I used to play Scrabble with my grandma, so it was her Scrabble board, and so I don't have one of my own. So he bought one, and uh, we've just, yeah, we've been playing Scrabble um, instead of like watching TV and stuff like that for a lot of like nights and evenings. And it's just been really fun, um, except it's incredibly upsetting to me how good Cam is at Scrabble. It's truly pissing me the fuck off. How great. <laughs> this guy knows so many words that I've never heard of, and he's so confident. Like, he doesn't just guess the word. He actually knows it's a real fucking thing. It'll be like, oh. Falvest, and then he'll tell me the definition. I'm like, fuck you, that's not a word. I challenge it, you know? <laughs> like, jibby jab, jibby jab jam, whatever. And it's like, oh, it's a bird in Africa. And I'm like, fuck you, how how did you know all this? Yeah. It's like, I thought I was good at Scrabble. And then I played uh, my husband and uh, it's truly pissing me off how good he is. I haven't beat him yet. Oh my God. It's, yeah. It's infuriating. It's actually, it's ruining my life right now. So um, <laughs> I have to like learn more. I'm like practicing in my downtime. I have to learn more words. Um, yeah. It's like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Um, yeah, that's, man. Yeah, that's, that's my, good shit slash the fuck combo for my activities in my life right now. Well, welcome to my puzzle hell, man, because that's <laughs> my whole relationship with Chad. I have walked around for 34 uh, years thinking that I'm pretty tough to beat at, at games, at, at certain sports, at you no. know, it's like, I just did a lot of them growing up. Yeah. I feel like I've got a decent amount of experience at these things and fucking old old Mensa brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard, so hard to beat at anything. It is enraging. It's the, like, he'll be like, Forkus, the edge of a tablecloth. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> you grew up in Rockford, Illinois. How do you, I don't know, like, what yeah. is what you yep. said? People there are geniuses, apparently. God. Um, but yeah, so, oh, that's fun. Yeah. We do have an iTunes review of the episode. Yes. Um, I think you should read this, Doc, because it seems okay. like it's, oh, it's fabulous. about you and vegans. This is from ADH QWERTY, um, <laughs> and it says, the vegans you don't hate. Oh, that's <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the recent vegan episode, Delaney. Totally relatable in terms of not wanting to ruffle any feathers in day-to-day -day life. So I know it takes a lot to put yourself out there on a subject that's touchy for a lot of people, although it shouldn't be. Thank you, Barrett. That's very sweet. Side yeah. note, I ate, I ate mad at Kelsey's vegan bit on her comedy special because at least she tried it before knocking it. LOL. <laughs> I don't, I don't catch every episode, but love checking in with you ladies every once in a while. And you're usually on point with topics that are on my mind, such as overthinking. And then I end up binging three to four at a time. Ah. Oh. Oh. Add a QWERTY. I thank you so much for that. That's really nice. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time and for watching my special. I appreciate that. 
super nice i appreciate it yeah if you want to leave a, an itunes review it'll probably get read like next episode no joke for real yep yep for we real. we we try to stay on top of it so exactly. uh all right guys so many places to catch me on the road the next couple months so come on out go to kelseycook.com get those tour day tickets yeah and delaneyfisher.com for career crush uh free private podcast would love to have you sweet have a, have a great day okay bye guys bye Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah, yeah.